0: We're not to judge them and to condemn them if they choose to follow it or not. It's up to them. But we must tell them. We must tell them. So let's go back to uh, Romans uh, chapter 2. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. I'm thinking about last week. Last week we, uh, we saw that wonderful story In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Perhaps we could have the the next slide up and we can have a look. And I have here a picture of a house built on a rock and I have a picture of Uh, what's left of a house that was built on sand. There's not much left of it. The house that's built on a rock, well, that's a lighthouse. I thought that was the most appropriate house that was definitely built on a rock, and it's weathering the storm. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, if we go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, we see... uh, That Paul has been describing people who have built their life on sand. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They had their foundations on sand. Verse 25 of chapter 1, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They built their lives on sand. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were building their life on sand. But then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you the judge practice the very same things. Do you presume on God's kindness? In verses 1 to 3, he talks about those who practice such things. And the word practice, it means to repeatedly and habitually perform something. Do you have any... uh, Well, I'm not going to ask you to... This isn't confession time, don't worry. But do you have any things that you just habitually do and practice and you're you're scratching your head going, Yeah, I've got this this habit. I know it's wrong. I know it's not right. But I habitually do it. Well, the thing is that... (laughs) Paul was speaking to these Roman church and he said, yeah, I know, you've got practices, things that you've got, you've got habits, you've got stuff that is wrong in your life. So stop pointing the finger. Jesus said, get, the, get this thing out of your own eye rather than looking at the plank in another's eye. Get the splinter out of your own eye. Or rather, was it the other way around? Get the plank out of your own eye. Stop looking at the splinter in another one's eye. Get your life right. Get your own life right. Distinguish and decide for yourself rather than looking at others. And so in verse 4 he says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance? Do you think, well, God is so kind, it doesn't matter if I build my life on sand. Because he's so kind and loving, he won't send a storm. (laughs) Well, that's foolishness. You must build your life on the rock. You must build your life listening to what Jesus says and then doing it. Oh, but God is kind, he's loving, it doesn't matter if I just stand on the rock, I don't need to build a house too, do I? I don't need to, I'll just listen to him, I won't actually do what he says though. No. God is kind. But in verse 5 it says, in verse 4 it talks about God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, and verse 5, it's because of your hard and impenitent heart you're storing up broth. If God is kind, it's because he wants you to repent. He wants you to change. I want to look at a story in the book of Luke, chapter 18, and verses 9 to 14. It's a, I'm sure it's a familiar story for quite a few of you. Chapter 18, verses 9 and to 14. He also told this parable. This is Jesus telling a parable But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, this tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but, he, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, could we have the next slide up, please? You see, the Pharisee, he is self Reliance, And he would rather live in a palace made of sand. And you can see a, a wonderful sand sculpture there. That's a wonderful uh, palace made of sand. But that's all it is. And the Pharisee, he's just looking at his life and saying, aren't I wonderful? I've done such a wonderful palace. I've built myself such a wonderful home. Aren't I good? And he doesn't realise that he's building his life on sand. And the sinner, he, he's got this little hovel <laughs> And he hasn't built a palace at all. His life is a mess. But he says, I want to build my life on the rock. That's all that I'm trusting in. I'm trusting in God. And I know, I look at my life and it's a total mess. The Pharisee's looking down at the bloke with the hovel. <laughs> He's saying, what a, wonderful, what a wonderful palace I've built. And the man with the hovel is looking up and going, I need to stand far off. I'm not worthy to be in this place because I built my life and it's, it's a mess but I want to build my life on the rock. I'm looking to the rock that is higher than I. That's the tax collector. remember the story of Martha and Mary, Martha, she was busy doing stuff, busy doing stuff because Jesus had come to visit and she was spending so much time building up, doing her wonderful cooking and stuff like that, doing her housework that she didn't actually spend time with Jesus. And there was Mary. She wasn't actually helping at all. (laughs) She wasn't building anything. She wasn't making cakes or cooking or anything. She wasn't doing any of the housework. She was just sitting there listening to Jesus and saying, I need the rock. I need to build my life on the rock of what Jesus is saying. And Martha comes along and says, Lord, Mary isn't helping. And the Lord says, Mary's chosen the better path. It's not going to be taken away from her. It can't be taken away from her. It's like that solid rock. It cannot be removed. It cannot be removed. We have to distinguish and decide for ourselves what is important to God. Is it important to be doing stuff or is it important to be listening to God and then doing stuff in light of what he has said? We have to be able to distinguish and decide well let's move on to uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 6 he will render to each one according to his works to those to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality he will give eternal life But for those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Well, that's an interesting verse, isn't it? An interesting set of verses. Can we have the next slide? So in verse 6, he says he will render to each one according to his works. So those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. And perhaps the readers of the Romans would have said, well, surely we should just be doing good works then. And that's the way we will get immortality. Do you think that's what he's saying? Well... He was writing this from the church in Corinth. That was where he was when he was writing this letter. And he would have sent somebody from Corinth with the letter to the church in Rome. And the people in Corinth would have known what Paul was talking about because he had written to the Corinthian church previously. And then Paul was at Corinth probably talking about this very thing. You see... If we look at this word, which is uh, called immortality, translated as immortality, in verse 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality. Are you seeking for immortality? Well, the word isn't immortality in the Greek. The Greek is, and I probably won't pronounce this correctly, atharsia. It means not decaying, uncorruptible, not decaying, uncorruptible. And there's a contrast here. First of all, the contrast in Romans chapter 1 and verse 23. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Well, the word is uncorruptible, not decaying. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God for images resembling corruptible man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, these people here have said, we're not going to seek for uncorruption with the uncorruptible one. We're not going to build our life on the rock. Instead, we're going to build our life based on uncorruptible man. No, corruptible man. Man who is full of corruption. Man who is full of decay. That's where we're going to build our life. If we're really seeking uncorruption, where do we seek it? Well, let's turn to Corinthians. Corinthians is the next book just after Romans. And we'll see what Paul had been teaching the Corinthian church because that would have helped the Romans understand what he was saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'll read from verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, The last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was from the earth, a man of dust. He was corruptible, he decayed, he's dead and buried. The second man, Jesus, is from heaven. He's uncorruptible, he's resurrected, he's alive, he's living. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, those who are seeking after man. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is the exact same word, the imperishable. He's saying the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. If you are seeking imperishability, where does it come from? Who does it come from? Are you seeking imperishability it's not based on what you do it's based on who you're trusting and who you're building your life on if you're building your life on the rock of jesus christ and listening to his words and following him eternal life awaits my brothers and sisters imperishability are you seeking imperishability we need to rely on the lord hallelujah let's go back to romans chapter 2 there's more to uh steve has given me quite a long passage to look at so we'll continue in romans chapter 2 and look at verse 12 romans chapter 2 verse 12 for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. That word justified, it means being declared as totally innocent. No matter what you've done, you want to be justified. You want to be declared as innocent in God's sight. How do we do that? Do we just follow the law, or do we build our life on the words of Jesus? Well, some people think, well, you've just got to follow the law. That's what it's saying here, surely, isn't it? Just need to follow the law, just need to do the right thing, just need to live a good life. Well, you can try. You can try following the law, but um, let me just give you a few warnings from the Scriptures. Uh, I'm just going to read, if I can find it. I know it's here somewhere. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. I'll read that again. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things. All things written in the... Have you kept every single word of God? faultlessly? Have you managed it? I'll put my hand down. I haven't managed it. And it says here, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Oh, well that means I'm cursed. I'm in trouble. If I'm looking to be justified and proclaimed fully innocent by, based on the law and what God has said in the law, then I'm in trouble because I haven't managed to keep every single thing of the law. The book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, he also says, if you just break one law, you have broken all of it. It's a bit like when you take your car to the MOT, and they say, well, you failed on one thing, which means you failed all of it. You can't get your car through the MOT. You say, but it's only one thing that I failed on. Surely I can still drive my car. No, no. You fail on one thing on the MOT, that's it. Your car is off the road. You fail on one thing, that's it. You're convicted as a lawbreaker. I see all of you have your hands down. (laughs) You're all lawbreakers, aren't you? You've all managed to get something wrong. I'm not judging, don't worry. Because I'm the same. We've all got things wrong. And So later on in Romans, in Romans chapter 3, Paul says these words and he explains it in verse 19, chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. As we can have the next slide up, we need to distinguish and decide where we're building our life. Where are you building your life? Romans chapter 2 and uh, verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Do you know that God is going to judge all of the secrets of our hearts? Not necessarily what you've done publicly. What's going on inside? The Greek word for secrets is kruptos. I'm not sure whether I'm saying that right. Kruptos. It means concealed, private. Those things that are concealed and Private. God's going to judge the secrets of our heart. And he uses the word later on in uh, chapter (coughs) 2. Verse 27, Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly Nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, secretly. Secretly, concealed, private. That's that same word. In other words, you're a man of God in the inner being, in the inner parts. Not just what you do, but who you are on the inside. But Paul is talking here in in, uh, chapter 2, And verse 14 to 16, he's talking about Gentiles who do not have the law. He's talking about those who do not know God. And he says, sometimes by nature they do what the law requires. It says in verse 15, that shows the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience bears witness, conflicting thoughts, accuse or even excuse them. Does that mean that they are godly people though? just because they have, by nature, a conscience. Well, the fact is that all of us have a conscience. All of us, by nature, were made in God's image. Isn't that good news? All of us, by nature, were made in God's image. All of us. We were made in God's image. But something happened in Genesis chapter 2. Do you remember what happened? I'll read it. The Lord God said, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But we want to know good and evil, don't we? Don't we want to have that knowledge of good and evil? Isn't that what we should be building our lives on? Jesus Says no. Paul says no. The Lord God, right at the start, said no. Don't build your life on the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you will die. Isn't that amazing? You see, by nature, we have this self reliance. We want to know, yeah, I'll do the right thing. And we have our conscience and we have our mind and we think, yeah, I know the right way to go. But that doesn't mean we're going the right way. Yeah, I'm building this wonderful house. Yes, but it doesn't mean it's built on the rock. Are you building your life on the rock? It's where you build your life, not how, necessarily. Start off with where, and then worry about the how afterwards. By nature, we have this knowledge of God's law. But Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden, and we're not allowed to eat of the tree of life. Perhaps we can have the next slide. And uh, I'll turn to Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. You see, we can have the conscience of God. We can have a, a real conscience that is touched and we can have perhaps God's words written on our heart but Jeremiah noticed something else in Jeremiah 17 verse 1 he says the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron with a point of diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart shall I read that again the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron with a point of diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart You see, you may have all of the wonderful words of God written on your heart just through your conscience, through your mind, through that knowledge of good and evil. That's what Adam and Eve learned, wasn't it? They just needed a conscience. That's all they thought they needed. It's not good enough because that conscience, that knowledge of good and evil, you'll end up just knowing more about evil necessarily than you will about good. Just knowing about good and evil isn't good enough. Jeremiah continues in chapter 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The Lord is testing us. And he's looking at our hearts and he's saying, you're in trouble. (laughs) You're in trouble. Your heart is desperately sick. Don't worry, there's a solution. When we build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ. We've been singing earlier about a covenant, and uh, later on in Jeremiah, it talks about this covenant of grace. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be. My people, no longer shall each one teach his neighbour and each his brother, say, know the Lord. For they shall all know me, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Ha! Isn't that wonderful to remember our sin no more? The promise of that new covenant. I'm just going to close by looking at the words of Ezekiel, because he gives a promise of a new heart Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 36 and verse 22, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, But for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. Verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, it's the Lord's work. It's the Lord who is doing this. When we say to ourselves, oh, I better, I better follow all of the words of the Bible and, and I'm not managing it, then... It's because it starts in our hearts. But our hearts are wrong and wicked and awful. Yes, but it starts by our trusting in the Lord and building our life on the rock and trusting in his work because he will take our hearts of stone and he will remove them as far as the east is from the west. And he will put within us his spirit and he will do his work. And this is what we trust in. And this is what we proclaim. And this is what we live for. And this is how we enter into God's house. Acknowledging that he is the rock. And his work is perfect. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you for who you are. You are mighty and strong and powerful and you are you're mighty to save And Lord, maybe we are feeling today like that tax collector. Who are we? We're unworthy to come before you and yet you are mighty and powerful and strong and you are forgiving. And you are kind because you want us to repent. So we come before you and ask, Lord God, that you will remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. That you will forgive us all of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That you will deliver us from evil. Oh Lord, that you will give us that new heart and that new spirit within us, Lord. That we may rejoice in your goodness. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.